Hola a todos, welcome back to the Bruja Cat Podcast. So today, I want to talk about diversity in the witchcraft community. So we're going to be discussing how other witches interact with one another, especially like in our digital space, and a lot of the policing of certain spiritual practices and stuff like that, that I've been seeing online. So um, I think this is very problematic because it does create a certain echo chamber and I understand the activism and wanting to ensure that people aren't misappropriating other people's cultures and things of that nature. But the problem here is that um, the people that are defending these closed practices are not a part of those closed practices. And so therefore they don't know the nuances that are involved in that. So certain things are very strict where you need initiation rites and you need a priest or you need a mentor to guide you. But in other practices, there are nuances where um, other people can be invited in if they have a mentor that are guiding them to do things properly. Um, what things are culturally significant to that group of people, um, you know, to their culture, to their spirituality and sacred practices, what things can be allowed and what things are not allowed. So I think this is something that from an outsider's viewpoint, you're not necessarily going to understand. And this is why I think it's important to elevate the voices of those that are in those closed practices. So whether they be initiated or whether that simply be part of their culture, their cultural heritage. So I think we need to listen to those people and their voices and to help elevate the voices of these people. So most of the time I see it that these are people of color. They are either black, indigenous, Latin American, Romani. It all depends on the practice, of course. But what I'm seeing online is a lot of white practitioners. So they will either practice a form of neo-paganism, whether that be um, Wiccanism or some other Eurocentric practice. And so it seems that they're speaking over people that are actually part of these closed practices and who have this cultural heritage. And I think this is a pet peeve of mine and it's a little bit infuriating because then they are spreading misinformation about this. So one big fiasco that I saw online was um, a certain practitioner of European descent saying that tarot readings and tarot cards is a closed practice. And then you saw a whole flood of Romani people trying to explain that no, it's not. And to say so is absolutely ridiculous. It's like saying that candle magic is a closed practice. Like, do you understand how ridiculous that sounds when you say it out loud? And so, unfortunately, I think that there's a certain amount of white saviorism to this, where there's a whole lot of people that are actively pursuing justice and a form of activism. It's sort of like um, the new trope that we're seeing of a rebel with a cause, as opposed to like the 80s and 90s rebel without a cause. So now um, it's trendy to be an activist. It's trendy to um, work against systems of oppression. And of course, I um, honor that and I recognize that. I recognize the importance of standing up for people who are marginalized and who are oppressed. But in this circumstance, it seems that they're speaking over the people who are mar marginalized and oppressed. So it seems that this certain level of white saviorism is speaking over the people who are marginalized and oppressed without actually listening to what they have to say. 
So I think there's something really disingenuous about this because I understand the motivation behind these people. They want to spearhead for justice and for equality and they want to include people. So there is a level of inclusion, but they're not recognizing their diversity. So they want to include people without actually listening to their stories. So when we think about these closed practices and marginalized people, each and every single path for these minority groups have their own history. So whether that be gentrification, colonization, uh, forced, forced assimilation, so whether it be any of these sort of systems of oppression, every single minority group, every single closed practice has their reasoning for why they are a closed practice and why they are significant to that particular culture and that particular group of people. And so when I see these Eurocentric practitioners, people that practice uh, neo-paganism, neo-spirituality, enforcing these different rules for minority groups that they are not a part of, honey, like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, tú no eres parte de ese grupo, tú no eres parte de ellos. You're not part of that group. So how are you going to know all the rules? So todas estas reglas que no son para ti, esta cultura que no es para ti, ¿Cómo que, que tú tienes la razón para entenderlo? How do you understand all the different nuances that are part of these closed practices? You don't, because this isn't part of your culture, and you're not taking the time to learn about other people's culture in order to understand these nuances either. You're not understanding the full history and the context of whether it be colonization, gentrification, forced assimilation, every single group has their own reasons for why it's a closed practice and why they are secretive. So for example, different African traditional religions, they have initiation rites. Uh, different Romani people, they have secret ceremonies. Uh, different forms of espiritismo or uh, santeria, they have their own reasons for doing that also. And so what seems very disingenuous to me is this form of white saviorism where um, it's like the rebel with the cause trying to stand up for um, the David versus Goliath, you know? So they always love the sort of story of someone going up against a system of oppression. And we see this story narrated a lot in movies and TV and in our mainstream culture of cool rebels against authority. So it's a small ragtag group against either a form of imperialism or a form of oppression. And so it's this trope of la resistance and the rebel that follows the rules of inclusivity and diversity simply for diversity's sake and trying to fulfill your inclusivity quota. And so by doing so, you're actually creating a trope of tokenism of these people that you're trying to include for your diversity quota and you're not giving them the proper autonomy and recognition of their background and of their cultural heritage. And it's just simply really disingenuous because you're saying, look how diverse we are without actually giving proper recognition or respect to these people. You're just saying, hey, look how, look how culturally inclusive I am or look how tolerant I am. So ultimately, this form of white saviorism 
isn't giving proper autonomy or recognition or even respect to these people's culture or their background or even their own autonomy to think for themselves or act upon themselves or even speak for themselves because you're allowing that person of white or European descent to speak for you. And it's just very disingenuous because what you're saying is, look at me and how inclusive I am. I have a group of every color of the rainbow, every cultural background. And what that does is that it's giving you clout rather than giving them recognition. So what I'm seeing is you're not learning anything about their cultural background, what is significant to them. You're just simply saying we need to include them or we need to respect them without actually learning anything whatsoever about them. So you can say to someone, um, please respect their cultural heritage, of course, and you shouldn't misappropriate their cultural backgrounds or you shouldn't misappropriate a lot of their practices if you're not initiated into them if this isn't your cultural heritage of course you shouldn't misappropriate them but why are we speaking over these people of color you should elevate their voices to speak for themselves when you yourself don't know anything about their cultural background you don't know anything about their history what is significant to their culture what is more casual or nuanced in their culture what rules can be bent what rules cannot be broken so we need to elevate their voices because then they can actually share their culture and we can avoid cultural misappropriation we can avoid what these white and eurocentric practitioners are so afraid of which is misappropriation, and we can evolve into cultural appreciation. And honestly, I hope that we can move on to that because at this point, it just seems that everyone is so quick to be defensive. They're so quick to say, you know, this is a close practice. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't even talk about this. Everyone is literally so knee-jerk quick to run the other way whenever they see practices from other cultures that they don't even take the time to simply learn about them. And in fact, it seems taboo at all to even learn about them because they're afraid that they're going to misappropriate them. And let me tell you now, you should learn about other cultures. You need to learn about other cultures, okay? The world is incredibly diverse. And it seems that the only people that are so worried about this are people from the United States. Now, let me tell you exactly why. The United States has this history of cultural genocide and slavery and this ugly past that they are afraid to ever acknowledge. So in your educational system, they're always preaching about nationality and uh, the United States being the hero of the world and everyone wants to go there for freedom. And it's the best place in the whole world because we all sing Kumbaya, right? So we've all had this experience in the United States' public education system. What they never acknowledge are the ugly parts of their past. So slavery of African Americans, slavery and cultural gentrification and cultural extermination of Native Americans, which right now they're actually um, digging up all these Native children and finally bringing them home. So it's over 3,000 Native American children. And so I think we're finally getting to the point where people can no longer ignore their past and we need to acknowledge that 
in order to move forward. And so I think in the spiritual and witchcraft community, we're finally recognizing that level of diversity where we no longer have a sort of um, feudal system of white supremacy or Eurocentric backgrounds having more status in our society. And we're actually acknowledging these other paths and other backgrounds. And so how that translates to different spirituality will be different moving forward. And so in the United States, we do have this form of colorism and systematic racism, and it has to do with our history. So in the past, we had different forms of slavery and cultural gentrification, cultural extermination, and forced assimilation. And now, throughout history, we're seeing this domino effect that even though when we get rid of those systems of oppression, we still have the lingering of that cultural society's ideas about it. So even though we got rid of slavery, we still look down upon people of color, black people, brown people, Native Americans, Asians. And so that cultural stigma still hangs in the air of our cultural society. Even though we got rid of those systems of oppression, um, we're still lingering with those ideas and that stigma. And it's very taboo to talk about them too, because we want to say like, no, we got rid of racism because of so-and-so, but racism is still existent because we still hold on to those stigmas. And of course, in our modern society, opportunities are so much better than they used to be for these minority groups. And I think that's fantastic, but I think that stigma is still there. So the way that this translates into spirituality and witchcraft is that we still see that stigma and that fear of racism and colorism and forced assimilation, um, cultural appropriation and stuff like that. So when I see Eurocentric practitioners coming across these different cultures, they don't want to have that happen again. So they're trying to actively avoid that. And so it's that fear of um, colonization and imperialism and forced assimilation, borrowing from other people's cultures and assimilating them, appropriating them. I think that's what's motivating those Eurocentric practitioners. So this isn't an attack on them. This isn't an attack on white people. I'm just trying to dissect what their mentality is. And I'm trying to dissect how they're thinking about these different nuances and these different, different situations where they seem to be afraid because they're walking on eggshells and they don't want to mess up. So I acknowledge that and I sympathize with that because, of course, I don't want to misappropriate other people's cultures either. So when I come across something that's brand new to me, what I want to do is I want to learn about it. You know, I want to understand it and I want people to teach me about their cultures. So we shouldn't be afraid to learn about other cultures. And if something is secretive or if something is only for initiates, then let that be, you know. So when you're learning about other cultures, don't be afraid that you're going to come across some sort of taboo information. You're not going to come across that because it's protected in those closed practices. So you're not going to come across some sort of um, secret information just because you're researching it. If you're researching it online, then that's public domain. It's public information. 
Now, certain ceremonies, certain rituals, things that you perform, um, different regalia that you might wear, that might be misappropriation. And I'm not going to tell anyone whether it's your place to do so, because it's up to each and every individual to have that responsibility themselves. So I don't know what your cultural background is. I don't know what your intentions are, but make sure that you have these right intentions when you go into these different clothes practices. So that way you're not misappropriating. You know what I mean? So you shouldn't be afraid to learn about them. You should be wary when you're actively performing things that might be misappropriation. And so when I'm talking to other witches, other practitioners, other spiritualists online, I love having these talks where we're going back and forth and we're discussing our culture. So we're learning things like our folklore, our mythical creatures, different practices, cultural heritage, our history, and there's so much to learn. So everything, I'm from Puerto Rico, I'm from Latin America, and so this is something that hasn't been tapped in in movies and TV. People don't know about this, and I want to share the, you know, spread the word about it. When I talk to other witches and practitioners, they tell me about their cultural background, and I'll tell them about mine. You know, you don't have to misappropriate. You don't have to perform things that you learn about. And I think that's something that people are misunderstanding in our online space is that when you learn something, then you go do it and you go perform that spell, you go do that ritual and stuff like that. But it's okay to just simply learn about it and to widen your mind, to widen your understanding of human experience and our human history. So. When I talk to someone from Ireland, she tells me all about her folklore and her deities, uh, the difference between Gaelic and Celtic, and it's super fascinating to me. Or I'll talk to someone that practices Norse paganism and they'll tell me all about their super rich mythology and their deities, their altars, everything like that, and it's super interesting to me. And equally, they're fascinated by my mythology from Latin America. I'll tell them about our mythical creatures, um, our spells, our different uh, practitioners, everything like that. And so this way we have a mutual fascination with one another. That's what cultural appreciation is. You shouldn't be afraid to learn about other people just because you're afraid to misappropriate them. We are all equally fascinated with one another's culture and it's okay to learn about it. And also, even people from Latin America, we're not a monolith. So people from different countries, they have their own rich and unique culture and their own history and superstitions. Yo soy de Puerto Rico, pero alguien de México va a tener una cultura y historia completamente diferente que la mía. O alguien de Perú o Colombia o de Brasil. Um, their customs in other countries are completely different from mine. So their superstitions, their mythology, their practices, we can all learn from each other, even within Latin America. And I think that Latin America overall is something that hasn't been tapped in in movies and TV. The only thing that I've seen so far are like stereotypes of, you know, the generalization of a Mexican or the generalization of somebody from Spain. So I think that that's something that I hope we can see in the future are 
different interpretations of brujas and espiritistas and curanderos because the only representation that I've seen are really weak. So I don't know if you've seen that movie, uh, La Llorona. Ese curandero en La Llorona, ay Dios mío, no podría. Como, ay Dios mío. Oh, the representation that you see in the movie La Llorona of the curandero, that like quote unquote witch guy that was helping her against the ghost of La Llorona was awful for representations of actual curanderos. And it really shows, like it goes to show that people in Hollywood don't even take the time to understand their culture or do proper research to give that proper representation. So I think we need to have other Latin Americans speak up about this. And this is the difference between having somebody with like their Western ideas or their Eurocentric ideas trying to represent or trying to give inclusivity and diversity for other groups that they're not a part of or they haven't even researched or looked into. We need to elevate the voices of people that are from there. So, alguien que es mexicano representando a los curanderos. Someone from Mexico representing what curanderos actually do. Now, another thing in Hollywood that I see is the lack of diversity when it comes to movies and TV. A lot of historians are getting really tired of people only showing things about like ancient Rome or the Vikings or like the Knights Templar and King Arthur. For me, someone from Latino America, I don't know anything about those cultures. So for me, I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. But I understand that historians have seen this over and over again, and it's still not represented properly. So Hollywood will always take like their artistic interpretation of it and not showing the proper way that people did things like from the costuming to the weapons to everything else but another thing that I've seen from historians is that they haven't even tapped into the history from other continents other than Europe so for example Africa has such a rich history oh my god it's amazing so these African traditional religions that you research or even just culturally and historically like the Zulu warriors and they have their own heroes um the different tribes that are in Africa that's something that I definitely would love to see in movies and tv because so far the only African representation that I've seen for spiritual practitioners or witches are the stereotype of voodoo priestesses or um, misappropriations of voodoo as evil or like the devil's work and things like that and so there's a negative connotation to it that is from like a form of colorism and racism on top of that so i think if we can get behind productions like that that you see in the black panther have people of color black and brown people, African people, take charge and with their own voice show you the proper representation that they deserve. That way you can give them their proper autonomy to present their culture, present their mythology, and their heroes. Like when I was doing my research and trying to find proper representation of brujas in movies and TV, literally the only thing I could find were like Sabrina or Charmed or all these other practices that are literally just Eurocentric or their Wiccanism or whatever sort of path that it might be. And the closest that I got, I think, that I was aware of was in that one episode of Sabrina where 
um, that voodoo priestess said that she was of Taino ancestry. And I literally like jumped in my seat. I was like, oh my God, like they actually said that, you know, she's from the Caribbean. But at the same time, she's still a stereotype. So it's like you win and you lose at the same time. Because yes, they're acknowledging the Taino people and that she's from the Caribbean and that she practices actual voodoo. But then they dropped the ball with the Loa because while they were saying which spirit that she was, that wasn't the correct spirit. So the Loa spirit that he should have been was the Baron. And at the same time, with the representation, they just dropped the ball. So on top of that, like, yes, I want to see people of color, but why can't you do it properly? Why can't you do it correctly? Um, you know, and so I think that comes with the lack of research and the lack of empowering people of color, people from that cultural background to inform you how they want to be presented and how to properly represent their culture. So my advice is, yeah, you should definitely research and anything that you can find in public domain, you shouldn't be worried about it because it's out there. If you can Google it, then it's information that is okay for you to know and you should learn about it. But anything that is misappropriation might involve any sort of performance. So whether that be a ritual or regalia or different symbols, make sure that you do your research properly and don't be afraid to ask questions. So when you talk to practitioners or people that are from those close practices, that are from that cultural background, actually ask them questions. And in my experience, they've been very happy to answer you or to explain different things because then it shows that you have an interest in their culture. So yeah, they want to teach you, but make sure that you are an open book. So when you're learning about this, make sure that you are an open book and that if they say no, you respect when they say no. So don't just take it like, but I like it and I like this thing because I think it's cool or I think it's neat or I think it's cute. Don't do that just because you want it. Because certain things are just not for you. They're for that culture. They're significant to that culture. Okay? So I see this a lot online with uh, misappropriations of sage where people, for whatever reason, I don't know, they desperately want to do a smoke cleanse with sage. But they don't understand that that is a sacred ritual to the Native American people. And so this is not only for North America, this is for all of the Americas about it. So I leave it up to the individual to figure out if this is appropriate for you. And it seems like, I don't know, have you ever actually talked to a Native American before? Like, have you ever met an indigenous person before? Because <laughs> they are overwhelmingly nice. They have amazing sense of humors and they're open and accessible and they would love to teach you about their culture. So certain stories, um, certain rituals, those are sacred. Those are for their families, for their initiation rites. So things that go on like in their certain rituals, in their rites of passage, you're just not going to figure out. You're not going to find out because those are protected. Those are sacred to them. But honestly, just go 
to a tribal center, go to a powwow, and meet an actual indigenous person. And that way you can ask them questions and they will be happy to answer you, of course. Just make sure that whatever your reasoning is, whatever your intentions are, make sure that they are aligned and that you're not doing this for selfish reasons. So make sure that you're not doing this for selfish reasons. And de verdad no entiendo que la obsesión con sage. I don't understand what the obsession is with sage. Like, why do you gotta have it? And it's this form of misappropriation. I just simply don't understand. Like, not only do you want to like take from someone else's culture without understanding fully what it is that you're doing, but you're also not using that tool or that ingredient properly. So this can be for other things too, like voodoo dolls or huevo limpiezas. I see huevo limpiezas all the time online. And you're not doing it right. Porque no saben lo que están haciendo. Mira, van a romper el huevo y lo ponen en el vaso que tiene agua y lo están tratando de leer. Okay, so they, they take the egg and they're doing their cleansing and they break the egg and they put it in the, in the glass of water and they're trying to read it. Pero no saben cómo leerlo. Tú no sabes lo que estás leyendo. They don't know how to read it. You know, so not only are they not doing the cleansing properly, so like cuando pones el huevo por todo alrededor de tu cuerpo, when you're rubbing it everywhere all over yourself, oh, oh my gosh, like it, it's another form of appropriation. And I understand that they have um, umancy or egg divination in other cultures, but they're not doing it according to those cultures either. So it's like this trend of using something esoteric and using something that's um, unique to a different culture and they're discovering it and they want the mysticism of it without actually understanding how it works. They don't want to take the time to do the research to fully understand how do you do this reading, what is significant about it, um, what does it represent, what are the different steps that you need to take. So I understand that huevo limpiezas, these different egg cleanses exist in other cultures, but it seems to me that people online, these spiritualists or these witches, are simply following a trend and they're not actually taking the time to do their research about umancy or other forms of egg divination or even about curanderismo and how to do it properly within Latin American practices either. So it's like, imagine you have a book, but you don't know the language that the book is written in. How are you going to read this book unless you learn how to read this language? And it's that same application to egg reading. How are you going to read the yolk? How are you going to read this egg divination if you don't know what these symbols mean? So yes, you have the right ingredients. Yes, you have the right tools. You just don't know how to use them. And I think it comes down to doing your damn research. This is something I'm always preaching online. And so when people take these ingredients and they take these tools and they're not using them properly, it's a form of misappropriation. And I understand that some people don't have access to resources to figure out how to do it properly, or they simply need a mentor. And so that's when I would advise people, go seek it out, go seek a mentor, find somebody that's going to teach you to do it properly. Otherwise, why are you trying to do something that you don't know how to do?
So this isn't something that you can just practice until you get it right. This is something that you need to figure out what are the proper steps to doing this. So it's not like learning to play a guitar or something. Yes, you can practice upon the guitar. You can pluck the guitar and eventually you'll figure out a melody. But there's so much more to it. So you need to learn how to read music. You need to learn your scales, your arpeggios and music theory. There's so much more to that than just plucking the strings. And I think this analogy works because it's performative, right? So people just want to do these things online because it's performative to them. And they want to say, look what I can do. Or in some cases, unfortunately, I think it's a form of posturing. So I see witches and spiritualists online posturing how very powerful they are. And I think this is a form of feeding their ego because they're actually insecure with themselves. So it depends on the individual, of course. And this is just speculation on my part. But it seems that people that are actually self-assured, people that are actually powerful, don't need to posture how much knowledge they have. They don't need to posture how powerful they are or seem intimidating to other people. These are things that people online just do for clout or they do for their following listings. And ultimately, it's like a video game where the likes are the points. Uh, their follower list, their following listing are the points. And what is the actual fucking point? Because, <laughs> yeah, of course, like, if you have a huge following listing, you can monetize and make money and get sponsors and stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of these individuals, they're young adults, so they're teenagers, and they're still trying to figure themselves out. So I think that with our spiritual path, this is something that takes decades to figure out. And I was a teenager at one point too, you know, so I wanted to fit in. I wanted to try on all these different hats to see if they fit, to figure out what I liked. So it's, of course, okay for everyone to try to figure out who they are to try on these different hats. But I worry that there's a certain amount of disassociation and mental health that goes into it. So when we see how many likes that your post gets, we get that little boost of serotonin from our phone or device and that reinforces our ego. It reinforces saying like, yeah, I'm doing something right. And that further motivates people to keep posting and to keep chasing that clout, to keep chasing the likes and the follows. And it's very unhealthy and it's very toxic because ultimately you're not you. You are what you think people want you to be. And so I think that this is like a disassociation of your personality, who you actually are in real life with your online persona. And so I worry that a lot of these witches or spiritualists that I see posting stuff online, how much of that is genuine? And then how much of that is simply a persona that people are putting on for their followers in order to give themselves that self-esteem? Because I wonder and I worry how much of that is coming from a place of insecurity or how much of that is coming from a place of trying to discover themselves and stretching their legs and feeling that sense of comfort in who they are and feeling that sense of actual confidence and sharing who they are. 
And so, of course, like in our digital space, there's always going to be a level of um, hiding oneself from the public because we don't want to feel judged and we want to ensure that we're not giving 100% of ourselves. We're wording our things correctly, whether that be a post or a video. We want to make sure that we're not misspeaking or being misunderstood by the public. So there's always going to be that level of censorship. But I feel like we're getting a little off topic, so I will make another episode discussing our digital space and how we're interacting with that. But for now, on the topic of diversity, if you're worried about misappropriation of a tool or ingredient or method or ritual or whatever it may be, just learn as much about it as possible first. Because you don't have to perform it. You don't have to have that certain ingredient or whatever it is. Just make sure that you learn as much about it as possible first before you go do that ritual or ceremony. So this isn't me just preaching about go do your damn research, you dumb kids. <laughs> it's also for your own safety. So for example, if you're doing candle magic, you want to make sure that you're employing any sort of fire safety. If you're doing anything with crystals, you want to make sure that you're not emulsing something that's water soluble or you know, these are actual geodes that can have a chemical reaction. So you want to make sure that there is that level of physical safety, but there's also going to be spiritual safety. So don't go knocking where you don't want that door to open. Any sort of spirit that you may be um, inviting in accidentally, that's for your spiritual safety as well. So anything that you're not ready for that door to open, don't go knocking until you are absolutely sure you know what is behind that door. And so when it comes to cultural misappropriation, make sure that you know exactly what this tool, what this ingredient, what this thing is for. So whatever that ritual is, make sure you just do as much research so that you can fully understand the system, the history, the culture, the etymology, how it developed, before you go use it, before you do that ritual, before you perform it. Because it doesn't make sense to go do something when you don't know what you're doing. And just to recap, make sure that we are elevating voices of Black, Brown, Indigenous, Latin American, Romani people, all of these different minority groups. Make sure that we are listening to what they have to say about their own culture and then we're not just taking it as a game of telephone so he said she said i read this on facebook i read this on tiktok or instagram or whatever make sure that you are hearing it from the horse's mouth from someone that has experience and that way you will get the proper message you are getting the proper education about that cultural heritage and about that history. And you can ask them questions. If there's something that you're not sure about, if there's something that you need clarification for, you can ask them about it. So this isn't only for a public space, you can also contact them. So different spiritual practitioners, different witches, brujas, you can contact them and you can message them. So this may be either through a DM, through a text or an email. And more likely than usual, they will respond with an answer or a clarification because they want people to understand their culture. 
they don't want people to feel confused about it. And most of the time, yes, we are happy to explain things for you if something is confusing. So make sure just to ask questions if something doesn't feel right, if you're not sure about it. And people from that culture will, of course, still be protecting the sacred traditions. They'll always be protecting things that are secret, things that only initiates can do. So don't be under the impression that you're going to be mounting an orisha or something like that. So we're not under any sort of impression, any sort of delusion that we're going to be doing things that only initiates or only advanced practitioners can do. We want to make sure that any steps that we need to take, we are taking them in order. So if you are a newer practitioner, if you are a newer witch, and this is the beginning of your journey, make sure that you're not going into the deep end before you're ready to swim. You have to walk before you're ready to run. So if this is the beginning of your practice, if you're still newer in your, in your practice, make sure that you're taking the beginner steps and that you're not going too advanced too quickly. So you need to make sure that whatever your, your level is, that you're ready to level up and you're ready to take that responsibility too. And another thing I wanted to mention, if you started your practice as a witch or spiritual practitioner while TikTok existed, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but you're still a beginner. These are things that take years and decades to master. And I'm sorry if you think that you are advanced or you think that you're super powerful, but you're just not going to be able to become an advanced practitioner or someone super powerful within the span of a few years. This is something that takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of experience, a lot of research. And even practitioners that have been in it for 20 or 30 years, they're still learning things. So even if you've been in it for a long time, there's still so much more to learn and there's still so much more that you haven't experienced yet. So never think that there's a cap. Never think that, um, you know, because I've been in it for so long that I have a say or I am the end all or that you have some sort of a power trip over other people because you've been in it for five years and they've only been in it for two years or something like that. I'm sorry, but you're still both beginners. <laughs> and there's always more to learn. There's always more to experience. And everyone's spiritual path is different. So don't think that we can compare each other to one another when every single person has their own spiritual path. And so that's another thing that just irks me is that people giving each other advice when both individuals are working on developing at their own pace. So don't compare yourself to other people and don't let them have some sort of power trip over you or feel some sense of superiority over you. We are all learning at our own pace and it's not a fucking race. Everyone has their own issues that they're dealing with. Everyone is broken and we're all trying to heal ourselves. We are all dealing with our own demons, whether that be some form of trauma 
or coming to terms and accepting oneself or simply trying to discover yourself, everyone has their own path that they're dealing with and everyone has their issues. So it isn't a my broom is bigger than your broom contest. There isn't a sort of comparison to make here. So you can't say like my trauma is worse than yours or my oppression is worse than yours. That's not something that's a contest whatsoever. So I see people online saying like, you know, I've been victimized by this and that. So I have more victim points than you. Okay, like, do you think that's a contest that you want to win? This isn't something that should be compared. This isn't something that you should say that, like, I'm better than you. It doesn't make any goddamn sense because everyone has their own spiritual path. We're all dealing with things. We're all evolving and we're all learning. We're all moving past our traumas. Everyone has complexity to themselves. And a lot of people have complexity when it comes to their cultural heritage too. So as a Puerto Rican, I am Taino, I am African, I am Spaniard. So I have to come to terms with that. Y igualmente, todos mis puertorriqueños, todos mis latinos tienen que pensar en eso también. Ustedes tienen una herencia de colonización. También con una herencia de Taino y con africanos. So we are not just one person. We are ethnically diverse. And this is something that we just have to come to terms with. So when it comes to our DNA testing or looking up our ancestry, you are not a pie chart. You are not your ancestors. You are your own person. So when it comes to um, white guilt or a history of colonization, yes, we should absolutely try to fix the systems of oppression that are still in place from that colonization. They're still lingering and they're still there. But you shouldn't feel guilty for the sins of your ancestors because you are not them. You are your own person in your own time. So yes, we absolutely should acknowledge the things that happened in the past with slavery and colonization and gentrification y tratando de salvar la raza, tratando de cultivar esa cultura también, we should absolutely try to preserve our culture and acknowledge our past. But we also need to evolve from our past. So I hope that makes sense. So like I said, you are not a pie chart. You're not half this and half that. These are your ancestors. And even if you remove one person from that lineage, you would be a completely different person in a completely different circumstance because that lineage would be broken. So, esto es algo que la gente me ha preguntado sobre el espiritismo taíno. Don't think of it like blood quantum when it comes to Native American or indigenous people because that was invented by the government, by the colonizers, in order to create the census of how many natives were there. And it is created so that there are less and less Native Americans as time goes by because of forced assimilation and forced integration. So this is a system of oppression that people are taking as a form of invalidation, saying that, oh, you're only 7% or you're only 12%. But people don't understand that this is a system that is 
created to erase people's culture. This is something that is created to erase people's heritage over time. So when we're talking about uh, blood quantum, why do you think that we're only talking about it when it comes to Native Americans? Why don't we say, like, how much percentage are you of Asian descent? How much percentage are you of African descent? And then acting as if that matters. So, of course, ethnicity and race and culture are all their own unique description. So those are all completely different to identifying yourself. And yes, these may be your ancestors and perhaps you didn't grow up in that culture. At the same time, you do have a certain amount of um, cultural erasure too. So I think with the newer generation, and because I'm Puerto Rican, you see this reinvigoration of our Native American culture, that we want to preserve it and we want to continue on these traditions to preserve the language and the songs and everything like that. So even though we culturally didn't grow up with it, we are trying to rediscover and to preserve these traditions because it's in our lineage, because it is our ethnicity. And yeah, there is a difference between um, national identity, race, ethnicity, and culture. Each of these categories have their own description. So someone, for example, can grow up in the United States, but they don't have the culture of their um, Salvadorian history. So they could um, have ethnicity and culture from El Salvador, but they grew up in the United States, and it's not their fault that they don't know Spanish. That's another thing that I've been seeing online are other people from Latin America, otros Latinos que dicen, ah, tú no eres Latino, ni siquiera sabes español. And that doesn't make any sense because it's a colonizer's language, you know? So this isn't your native language in that region of the world. So why are you judging them on whether or not they know Spanish? And it doesn't make sense to me because if their parents were immigrants from El Salvador, for example, they went to the United States for whatever reason and they wanted their kids to grow up learning English. That way they would have better opportunities in this land where the business language is English. So it would make sense for them to prioritize that language rather than prioritizing Spanish in that circumstance. So for that younger generation that grew up in the United States that have Latin American heritage but they don't know Spanish, this isn't your fault. So don't beat yourself up about this. If it's something that you want to connect to, of course you should learn Spanish and then that way you can talk to your abuelas, talk to your tíos, toda la familia. But don't beat yourself up because you don't know Spanish. It literally is a product of your environment, not you. Because my little brother was a Nosabo kid. We moved between the U.S. and Puerto Rico all the time. So we would be like back and forth. And so he had a problem where he stopped speaking and he had to go to a speech therapist because he didn't know whether to speak English or Spanish. And so we had to pick one. And so they picked English because uh, they needed it for school. And so it's not his fault that his Spanish is weaker than mine. He still learned it. Of course, 
but for a little bit it was a problem there because of like a culture shock and it was when he was still young and moving back and forth like that having that instability when you're growing up as a little kid that was a product of his environment that wasn't his fault and so in the same way if you don't know Spanish or if you feel disconnected from your cultural heritage that is not your fault and you have every right to get back in touch with your cultural heritage whether that be from Colombia or Brazil or Spain or the Dominican or from the native indigenous tribe that you're from it doesn't matter you have a right to learn about your heritage and so I think the lesson here is that it's okay to learn about other cultures so whether that be your own culture and you're trying to reconnect with it or whether it be other cultures that are unique from your perspective it's okay to learn about them and we should be sharing and interacting with one another because the world is big and beautiful and diverse and if there's a certain culture that is interesting to you that fascinates you you should absolutely learn about it that's what anthropologists do even if they're not from Egypt or whatever other place that they're studying you're still allowed to study that culture if it fascinates you so I hope that in the future we can just interact with one another learn from one another without any fear so of course we already have that defense in our mind that we don't want to misappropriate other people's culture but we should absolutely appreciate other people's cultures and be able to share with one another and it can be as simple as sharing someone's dish someone's culinary recipe with one another it can be as simple as that it can be as simple as learning a few words like hello or interacting with one another in other ways like songs or sharing music from another's culture you don't have to be afraid to learn from each other or to interact with one another because diversity is all around you so we might be living within our own little bubbles just know that the world isn't ubiquitous there's a rich diversity of cultural heritage and history for all of humanity so don't be afraid to ask questions when you come across something that you've never encountered before because guess what everyone has that feeling everyone's going to encounter something that they've never seen before something that is new information to them and so we need to be a little bit more generous and sympathetic with one another because we all experience that we all have our first time with seeing something brand new or experiencing something brand new so try to be a little bit gentler with one another and just educate one another rather than calling each other out or trying to shame one another because it doesn't make sense why would you shame someone just because this is their first encounter with someone new or with something new that they've never seen before so it's not just because they're ignorant it's because they come from a different life and a different society so it's okay and it's understandable and even though you come from a small town somewhere that is rural it's okay for you to go and explore people to go and explore other cultures 
And you absolutely should because the world is huge. It's bigger than your small town. It's bigger than just your high school. And there's a whole lot that we can learn from one another. So even if you live in a small town, I implore you to go travel. Um, And even if money is an issue and you can't buy an expensive plane ticket to go to some exotic faraway land, literally just go to the next nearest city or the next most populated city and you will see diversity right there. And I understand that money is always going to be an issue. That's why you can also just make friends online. Try to find people from other places that have other interests because I feel like sometimes we get stuck in our own echo chambers and in our own comfort zone and it's okay to break through that and push through that and it may be uncomfortable because you're trying new experiences and different situations and you're uncomfortable because you don't know where you're going or you don't know what uh, the proper protocol is so you don't want to make a fool of yourself I've been there and I've been in that situation (laughs) I've had that culture shock too but don't let fear control you this isn't something that you should just be afraid to go and experience You should go and experience life regardless of fear because you can't let that control you and let that enable you from experiencing life overall. And so that isn't just for traveling. You shouldn't let fear control you when it comes to fear of misappropriation either. So that's the lesson here is that don't be afraid of misappropriating when you're not going to do it. You know, so if you've already come to the conclusion that you don't want to misappropriate, then why are you constantly afraid to do so? It doesn't make sense. Like, why would you be afraid to do something that you're not going to do anyway? So when it comes to learning about new cultures, take that as just an adventure and an experience and make sure that you're elevating those voices and share that content of other people sharing their culture and presenting their culture to the world. And that way we can have a more, um, genuine experience of learning about each other. Okay, I'm going to stop myself here before I get way too preachy, but thank you for listening, and hopefully um, this is a good message that I'm putting out there. So thank you so much, and then I'll catch you on the next episode. Hasta luego, bye!